got to try and answer a question uh, this morning because uh, last week was Valentine's Day. Now that might have been something to some of you, uh, might not mean anything to some of you and stuff, but that doesn't change the fact that it was Valentine's Day uh, last Wednesday. Today we celebrate uh, the love we have for the one we love, or as I describe it, where everything goes up in price for one day and stuff. Looking after the young people when I was a youth pastor, I always gave them this advice. I was not renowned for my relationship advice and stuff, but I always advised them to do this. Fellas, stay single between December the 15th and February the 15th. <laughs> as that will save you money on a Christmas present and a Valentine's Day present. And also, it's a bonus if a birthday falls in January. <laughs> and because you'll be loaded for those three months now. Of course, some of them are happily married now, so that advice doesn't mean anything anymore and stuff. But uh, as we come, I thought I'm reminded of this message and stuff. And so I thought to myself, I'd like to, to Google a bit of info to find out uh, what people can get uh, for their loved one for Valentine's Day. So I found the most expensive bouquet of flowers. This will set you back £20,000. So if you're thinking next year of something special to get for the one that you love, you need to start saving now, okay? So this is the most expensive bouquet of flowers. Uh, you can see the gold trim. Apparently there's jewellery in that somewhere. Uh, and that, but that's the most expensive bouquet of flowers. Now, if flowers is not her thing, that's okay. So I have something else for you because I discovered uh, that the most expensive box of chocolates now, a bit disappointed here because you only get six chocolates. And if you're a little bit like me, you know, you're like a full box of chocolates, don't you? You know what I mean? Uh, these will cost you, set you back, £14,000 for six chocolates. That's unbelievable, isn't it? And stuff. Apparently, they're wrapped up in, uh, in these pure gold wrappers and stuff and that and stuff but obviously what we would rather be keen on is the chocolate you know what i mean never mind what they're wrapped in and stuff so there you go there's some ideas for next year so if you're sitting next to your wife and that and then uh, you can give a gentle nudge and say hey listen you know what to get me for next year now either you have a choice either the flowers or the chocolates go for the chocolates would be cheaper and stuff and there'll be films uh, last week that remind us of love Songs that remind us of love, memories that remind us of love, gifts that people give us that remind us of love. Remember this week quote, it says, you can give without loving, but you cannot love without giving. And the Bible is referred to as many things. It's actually described as a, as a love letter uh, from a father to a child. God is a father, we are his children. It's actually the only book where really the, the, the author is in love with the reader. The, the description of the love that he has for each and every one of us that his people he says is from beginning to end and it's just a simple truth that God is our father we are his children and he loves each and every one of us he really is one of the great revelations of the bible but also one of the most simplest ones as well the three things that he did as he loved us the first one is this he loved us so he gave to us and we know the verse in John three sixteen: for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son Whoever believes in him shall not perish but have 
eternal life. We know that in loving that they was given. The second thing that we see, uh, and Jackie said this at the table, he said, he loved us so he showed us. He didn't just uh, tell us he loved us and stuff. The second thing that he did, he loved us so he showed us. He demonstrated. Last week there would have been many demonstrations on Valentine's Day of the love that one person has for another by what they gave uh, and depending on what they gave and stuff that's a demonstration of the love that they have for each other and we see that in Romans 5 verse 8 says but God demonstrates his own love for us in this while we were still sinners Christ died for us but then we see the third thing that God does for us is this he loved us and so he called us 1 John 3 verse 1 behold what great love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God and that is what we are and it's a description there of what God has done for us and when you lavish on something you pour it out it's an extravagant display of love and John as he writes as he describes that that love that God has for us he's poured out upon us lavished upon us but actually the result of that that we should be called children of God and that is what we are uh, today so the question this morning that I started with of why God loves us both personally and individually is quite common we're surrounded by this conditional love of finite humanity that, that actually bases our love for others maybe on performance or what people do uh, for one another or uh, you've heard the description that people may say that it was was love at first sight maybe you can remember the time you first set eyes on your husband or your wife and something flickered within your heart no okay maybe okay all right i know some of you gotta think back a while like but you know it's like maybe you just thought of something that you just thought you you know you you, you remember that moment when you saw them across a, a, a room and suddenly you thought that's the one for me okay we might try again okay it says you get the idea though don't you you get the idea and that's and that's that's the basis of, of humanity's love for for one another but we have faults and but god doesn't god is perfect and holy as we've sung this morning and so the question of why does god love us is is spoken about in the bible from the beginning to the end because we know we were created in his own image out of everything that god created we are unique in that we were created in his image with, with great care and concern and we know at the beginning there's that intimacy between us and God and with the rest of creation God merely spoke it into being but with us there was a care and a crafting and a concern that, that makes none of us accidental that makes none of us just sort of just oh well a mistake or or coincidental or any of those words that sometimes we would associate that actually because relationship with God was broken after the fall after the the beginning in the garden actually the intention of God and the plan of God was to restore that love again that that not only the love that he had for us never changed it, but really what he wanted for us to be in relationship to know that love that to love him to direct that love towards him and that love became obvious in the person of Jesus uh, and God did a, an amazing incredible thing as we know that he took on humanity to simply redeem us 
He entered our world as a baby born to an unassuming family, showed compassion for the sick. He showed us how he loved us uh, in the physical while he was here, uh, as, he, as, he, as he spent the time going around healing people and, and, and touching people and making people better, but making people whole. It was a display and demonstration of his love. But he speaks of his heart's desire, that God's desire above all else is that, that people would return to him, that, that they would have a relationship with him, but it's more than a relationship, that they, they would know him as Lord and know his son as saviour, and that would come down to worship. And he simply longs for us to do that. And, and really that's a description in the Bible of the story of the love that, that God has for us. For we know the greatest picture of God's love is the cross. Now, Jesus' work on the cross was a clear, unmistakable declaration of love. This love is unconditional. We were in our worst state when Christ died for us. And you know, it would be easy for us to think and measure it on scales to think, you know what, well, I, I wasn't that bad. You know, God could have loved me. You know, I've never killed anybody. I've never, you know, done all these bad things that people would associate with all of that. Maybe that outweighs everything that God could love me. But, but there wasn't any of that. We were all in that worst state that we could possibly be as God comes and he showed us that love. So we look at this question as one of the most profound questions ever asked. And, and how do we answer it? Because there is some mystery in it as well. You know, God does not love us in a sense because, you know, we're, we're, we're lovable. You know, though some people are lovable. Some people aren't so lovable. But God loves us because we are his. Uh, and so, see, the state of mankind is one of rebellion or one of difficulty or one of challenge. But 1 John 4 verse 8 and 16 tell us this. Uh, tell us that God himself is love. But we look at that and say, well, what is that? Because people get confused when they say that today. And, and you hear people band about that any aspect of love and any show of love and any demonstration of love, actually God must be in that because for God is love. Uh, and actually people get confused and misinterpret that. But the actual declaration there that God is love is an important one. It's a profound statement. He, do, he doesn't just love. We, we may love things. But God doesn't just love, it's his nature, it's his essence. His love permeates, in a sense, his whole being, who he is and what he does. And every other attribute that he has is, is attached to, to love, the love that he has for us, because very nature is love. And so he demonstrates that. And because it is his central nature to love, he demonstrates it by lavishing it upon you and upon me, particularly when we are just undeserving of it, particularly when we've done nothing to pay for it, nothing to work for it, nothing to earn it in a sense. God's love is not as we think of love sometimes and in, in the world that it's a temporary thing, a soppy, emotional, romantic feeling in a sense. That's not the love that God has for us because a description in the Bible of the love, the different sorts of love that, that are mentioned in the Bible is a special sort of love. It's called agape love and it's a love of self-sacrifice. And that really is the best description of the love that God has for you and for me. That he demonstrates his sacrificial love by sending his son to the cross uh, to pay the penalty for our sin. 1 John 4 verse 10 simply tells us this is love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. 
Uh, and in that verse, we see that simply it's a description that John gives that says, if you really want to know what love is, this is love. This is love. Not, not everything that we may think it is. Not the feeling, not, not, not the demonstration almost. He says, this is love. So not that we love God. Not, not our effort, in a sense, in loving. There's simply this, but that he loved us. He says, and when you think about that, what an incredible statement that is. He loved us. And we put that with the other verses that we read. Um, he loved us in our worst state. You see, we're in church this morning. He says, we're all in a good state this morning. I mean, I hope you haven't fallen out with anybody in church yet this morning. I hope you haven't done anything too wrong in church this morning and stuff. We're all in a good state. But maybe let's pick another part of the week. Maybe in this past week, you've found yourself and you've lost your temper. Or you've thought something you shouldn't have thought. Or, or something's happened that you thought, I regret what I said. I regret what I did. And instead of that point that God loved us, that worst state that we had, it's not that, that we love him, it's that he loved us. And it's why it is one of the great revelations of the Bible. It's why it's one of the great truths of the Bible. That not that we loved him. We do not measure our faith and our relationship with God by the love that we have for him. He measure it by the love that he has for you and for me. And we see that in the end, that demonstration as atoning sacrifice for our sins, which we can't get away from. Cannot just preach a message of love. We have to preach the message of the purpose of love. Why did Jesus die for us? Why does God love us? Because we're his, but there was a problem. He sent his son to the cross for us to be that atoning sacrifice. And he forgives our rebellion against us sends his Holy Spirit to dwell within us. He enables us to love as he loves, which always think is a fascinating thing that what happens when we become believers, it changes the way we love because it's not that soppy sentimental feeling in a sense, it's that choosing to love those people that we find difficult, those people that we find hard, those challenges that come along to us, indwelt by his spirit, helps us to be a loving people. Because we look at it like this, but we measure our horizontal love for each other by the vertical love that God has for you and for me. And when he doesn't point the finger at us, when he doesn't turn around to us and give us what we deserve, that is measured and shown in our love that we have for each other. But that's not easy, is it? That's hard, that's difficult, that's a challenge as it comes to loving one another. One of the wonderful things about God's love is this, is God's love is personal. He knows each of us individually, but he loves us all personally. His is a mighty love, there's no beginning and no end. It is the experiencing of God's love that distinguishes Christianity from all other religions. Why does God love us? It is because of who he is. God is love. You will never find anywhere that says Allah loves you. You will never find anywhere that says Buddha loves you. You will never find any of looking at any other religion and who is the head of that religion. There will never be a description of them loving the people that follow them the people that want to follow their religion. You never, you never read any description of that. Yet what sets Christianity apart, what sets us apart, is God loves you and me. He has shown us he loves you and me. Not just told us, 
but just showed us through. It sets us apart from other religions. It's a personal that this love for mankind as described in the Bible is unconditional. Then a sense it's expressed towards the objects of his love despite their disposition towards him, despite their rebellion towards him, their anger towards him, their, their, their hatred towards him at times. Uh, people would do that, but that unconditional love that God has is shown there that he can't love us any more than he does. He can't love us any less than he does because it's an unconditional love and he places no conditions on his loved ones because he's simply his nature to love. But listen, there is a, a responsibility though on behalf of those that discover in a sense that God loves them even though there is a hostility and uh, an enmity. Once that love is revealed in Jesus Christ on the cross it, it changes people it's supposed to change people they hear the message of it and the demonstration of it they see and it changes us it has changed us hasn't it it says God didn't wait for us to better ourselves there'll be times when you sit with people and they'll say to you pastor I'm just going to deal with this first before I become a Christian I'm just going to try and make myself a better person I'm just going to try and clean up this area of my life. And the answer to all of those every time is, listen, you can't do that. You won't be able to do that. God accepts you as you are. He doesn't keep you that way, but he does accept you as you are. As a matter of fact, I've said to people, if you could clean yourself up, if in a sense you could deal with all your own wrong things, he said he wouldn't have sent Jesus to go to the cross. He wouldn't have needed to. By our own effort, we would have been able to do what needed to be done. But because we couldn't do it, he had to send Jesus. And we say to people, listen, you, you can't do what you think needs to be done. You just take your place at the cross, showing, seeing this divine rescue, this unconditional love that God has poured out upon us, that self-sacrifice. Jesus says it before he goes to the cross in John 15, verse 13. Greater love has no one than this, that he laid down his life for his friends. He says it to the disciples, but the description is from everybody. What's the greatest act of love? What Jesus Christ did by laying down his life, by being the sacrifice for you and me. And so it's important to note as well as we come to the next point, that God's love is a, is a love that initiates. It's never a response. That, that he has done it first. He is the one that has initiated it for us to see. And at some point in our lives, for most of us, we will have heard of what he'd done. And we have made that decision, that choice to say, I'm going to live my life and follow him. I'm going to show the, the, just that, that act of love in my worship by giving my life, surrendering my life to him. If his love was conditional, we again would have to do something to earn it or merit it. We would have to do something to clear the line, to get past the line of God's acceptance. But he says we've all fallen short. It doesn't matter what position we hold. It doesn't matter how good we think we are. It doesn't matter whatever we think we have going for us. There will be none of that that meets the condition and the target of God's love. And so we see this unconditional, merciful love of God has for everyone. 
and that response that comes and, and, and we see here just in that, that finally in that, in that verse we see that was John writes in 1 John 3 verse 1 where he talks about to lavish we've said it's extravagant to present as a gift to apply to pour out you know what I love about this is this we thought that John is an old man as he writes this and the question uh, is asked of him what stands out from your life what, what motivates you and gives you hope uh, and he does say he says that, that verse doesn't he he says this how great is a love the father has lavished upon us that's the, the the central thought of his life of all the things that he's heard in his life and as he comes to a man of old age he's asked that question he says what is it that stands out what is it that, that matters what is the most important thing and it's almost this God loves me and I'm a child of his. What, what a tremendous thought that is, isn't it? Of all the deep stuff that we think we can attain through life, says here's a man that just comes and says, this is the greatest truth I've heard in my life. God loves me and I'm a child of his. And it's his knowing that God loves him and he's his child, that his love has been poured out or lavished upon him. He uses a word, he says, behold when we behold something we stand back in amazement and look at it that how we feel sometimes about the love that God has for you and for me we stand back in amazement that, that, that God would love me that God would send his own son for me that the greatest demonstration in the history of mankind in the whole of civilization from the beginning of creation to the end is this demonstration of Jesus going to the cross to die for you and for me I mean that's the truth that he's got we behold that and if you love someone we know you demonstrate not always by what you say but by what you do what you give and in what you give there is always a price to be paid and Jesus ticks all of the boxes, fulfills all of those. He says, when we are looking at it this, we are beholding that demonstration of God's love while we were still his enemies. It was the cross. But how is the cross as a demonstration of God's love? See, that obstacle wall had to be removed. That price had to be paid. Uh, and we see that, it, in a sense, the here, that as John sees that, he, he realises but, but actually that was the, the point, the turning point in his life, the change in his life. And with these three descriptions we see the, uh, what, how God feels about it. It's an unending love. Uh, Jeremiah 31 verse 3 says, The Lord appeared to us in the past saying, I have loved you with an everlasting love. I have drawn you with unfailing kindness. It's an unexplained love. That Ephesians 3 verse 19 says, And to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. And then finally, an unconquerable love. Knowing all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. And all those verses we see, we, do, we cannot add to it from anything outside scripture. If all we do is take what the Bible describes uh, of God's love for us, it is enough, it's plenty it fills us it satisfies us it meets every need as we see here in the verses and many people still wonder if God could love them after everything that they have done well yes he does he does 
because the price has been paid for everything that each and every one of us has done. And whether we've been saved for five minutes or 50 years, that truth is still as great today, the same, isn't it? That demonstration of his love meets every need of you or I because the love of God is not based on performance, it's based on truth. It's based on the truth of his word. And nothing speaks more clearly of God's love than the cross. I finish with this story. It's one of my favorite stories explaining the love of God. A certain medieval monk announced he would be preaching next Sunday evening on the love of God. The shadow fell and the light ceased to come in through the cathedral window. The congregation gathered. In the darkness of the altar, the monk lit a candle and he carried it up to the crucifix. First of all, he lit up the crown of thorns. Next, the two wounded hands. Then, the marks of the spear wound. In the hush that fell, he blew out the candle and left. There was nothing else to say, for there were no other words that evening that could describe or express the love of God. Let us pray. Father, we thank you this morning. Father, that the love that you have for us, Father, is an eternal, everlasting love, not based on our performance love, but on your truth. And Father, as we come today, we, we, we thank you that there is nothing we can add to it outside of your word. Your, your word satisfies, it meets a need, it describes, and it tells us of, of the love that you have for us and we're so thankful for that today so father as we come to you today lord would you continue to speak to hearts father god to meet the needs that people have here in church this morning father those with questions those who are searching those who are looking but just pray father god uh, only by you and through you father where their needs be met in jesus name Amen.